From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be, right here, right now. Here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here today with one of my favorite guests. We always have a great time together, Dr. Andrew Whitman. We're going to talk about winning the mental toughness game. And you know, Dr. Whitman, in times in my life where I haven't been mentally tough, just everything falls around behind me. And when I get it together, it's amazing. My kids fall in line, my clients fall in line, my company falls in line. So I'm a big proponent of talking about the brain and mental toughness because as leaders of our family, you know, some of us are single parents, some of us are co-leaders, but we lead in our transactions. Real estate agents lead families through the home purchasing process. If you're a department manager, you are a leader. So I think mental toughness and leadership for all of us, even if it's life leadership and how to lead your own life, I think it's worth having a discussion. What do you think? Oh, I'm 100% all in and thanks for having me back. Always a great time. I'd l- let me just spin off of that thing with leadership right there because that's one of the basics of, uh, where we start our stuff. I call it ground zero leadership. And um, I heard uh, John Maxwell one time tell me, he said, hey, uh, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, that just seems a little too simplified for me, right? So I, I wanted to, you know how I am. I'm kind of like recovering OCD. So I had to check out what the, uh, what the word meant and where it came from and the history of the word. What I found out, it comes from the old English. And it literally means craftsmanship, like a blacksmith or a carpenter. Craftsmanship, skill in that craft of influencing direction, course of action, attitudes, and opinions. So let me say it again. It's leadership is skill, like a craftsman, in shaping attitudes and opinions, direction, and course of action. Right? Okay. So you could be a leader. Like, and who do you have to – you have to influence your own attitudes and actions before you can influence anybody else's. That's why I call it ground zero. But that's the beginning of winning the mental game. Well, and I think so. I think, you know, you're spot on on this one because, you know, I tell my kids, we talk a lot about leadership at the breakfast table because I really believe I'm raising future leaders, whether they're leading their family themselves. And, you know, leadership at its most basic means you're in charge. So it's like, I don't want caffeine being my leader. I don't want alcohol being my leader. (laughs) Right. I don't want video games being my leader, like who's in charge of you here? Right. That's so good, Sandra. I mean, that's so good because (laughs) we can have anything we want. We just shouldn't have those things have us. Do you know what I mean? Like you can, you can have alcohol just as long as alcohol doesn't have you. You can have caffeine as long as caffeine doesn't have you. You can have, you know, you know, Netflix or whatever the streaming service of the day is, as long as it doesn't have you, right? That's what the binge watching and staying on the video game. It's when stuff takes control of you. So you're just 100% right on, as always. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know what? I got kids that really fire back at me, you know, because we had this conversation a lot. I've got a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old now. And image is important for these kids. 
you know, whatever brand right. kids are wearing, you know, like we went to the swim meet, um, swim parent meeting last night and the kids were having debates over Adidas, Speedo, you know, the different brands. And I'm like, girls, what bathing suit fits you best? Like, you know, we have to look at style, fit, whatever. And the same thing with the boys, you know, they wear those kind of long shorts to swim yeah. down. Thank God, no right? Speedos. Yeah. But when you look at, at branding, who's leading your kid? Is it Adidas? Is it Nike? And I'm not saying any of these things are bad things. I actually have an Adidas sweatshirt on right now. It's one of my favorite sweatshirts, but who's leading who? And this really comes to play. Like my 16 year old is driving a 23 year old uh, Honda and his friends have a BMW and a Mercedes and a brand new pickup truck. And he said, mom, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed by my car. And I said, well, I said, you have a car as opposed to not having a car. (laughs) Correct. And what can you afford? Because this is what I can afford. You know, go back to you, kid. What can you afford? And then here's the thing. A car is not a car. A car is freedom. A car is freedom. Right. A car is not. It doesn't matter what. (laughs) Like, oh, I I like my, you know, I like my brand of freedom better. Mine's shinier. No, freedom is freedom, right? No matter how you dress it up. So, yeah. But at that point, who's leading your kid? BMW, the brand new Ford pickup truck with the dualies, or your kid, you like, because the whole point is who's in charge here? Are the advertisers and sponsors in charge of our kids? Are the advertisers and sponsors in charge of you and me? Well, and that's where the, the ment- winning the mental game is. Because, yeah, so what happens with advertisers and sponsors and all this? They figured out how to... I don't want to call it like a brain hack, but they know how the human machine works and they exploit it to their best possible advantage. The problem is we don't, we as regular folks don't know how the machine works. So we're susceptible to it. And if we don't know it, we can't teach our kids it. So then they're susceptible to it. And so that's where the winning the mental game comes is. uh, And and so here's what you said about like the branding and image is important. And listen, you don't want to be uh, ostracized. You don't want to be shunned, but also, um, when you fall into that trap, what happens is, is that you're looking for acceptance from other people and you haven't accepted yourself yet, right? So this is like, that's the number one fear of all humans and social animals, mammals, whatever. If it's a social organization, the number one fear is rejection. So therefore, I know the number one need is acceptance. And this is where you win the mental game. If you accept yourself, then you take that power away from every other person on the planet from having the power to reject you which is totally freeing. And I'm not worried about whether they think what they like. I mean, listen, I like it when people like me, but if you don't, I still, I know this is a shock to you, Sandra, but Andrew loves Andrew, (laughs) right? And if Andrew loves Andrew, I mean, I'm good with me. Then I, you know, I I like it when you like me, but if you don't, I'm still going to love Andrew by the time I come home tonight. And I'm not going to change Andrew. Because well, not for you. Like I'll me. change. I'll change Andrew as a growing and I'm developing to be a better Andrew. But I'm not doing it because you don't like what clothes I'm wearing or what car I'm driving or what. Right. I, I don't derive my internal identity from those external things. Right. And I think you know it's valuable to have these conversations because we do live in a world of brands. We do live in a world. I think with social media now, you know, I see. You know, I, I hark back to that day that I was at the park with the kids and Andy, I was really frustrated. I was dragging this cart. I'm dragging one kid. The other kid <laughs> won't walk. 
And, you know, we're just trying to get to movie night in the park on a Wednesday night because it's free. You need a right. blanket, some popcorn, and the kids can sit there. And as a single mom, that's like heaven. And I was really feeling bad one day because... You know, there's other husbands there carrying their wives' stuff, and I'm schlepping everything and right. really just not in a good good headspace. And then this family in front of me stops, takes a picture, and the mom's like, the kids are punching each other. The husband and wife are arguing, but for the one minute in that selfie, they all went, cheese. Yeah, one minute. That was like 10 seconds. If ten, that, not even yeah, 10 correct. seconds, like yeah, two like seconds. Quick. Yeah. She, and I see that picture later on because I purposely kind of followed him over by the blanket because they kept arguing the husband and wife right. and it made me really happy because oh, I was nice. sitting there eating my popcorn. Oh, my watching but, the show. Watching, watching every show. show. Yeah. Right, watching the favorite <laughs> show. But at the end of the day, I thought, look, look at all the social media images we're giving of these perfect families, perfect kids. You know, nobody posts a picture, well, most people don't, of the kid who stuffed the M&Ms up his nose. They're putting the picture of the kid who gets the president's award or the physical fitness award. So we get this like skewed reality, which does, I think, affect the parenting mental game. Yeah, if you let it, absolutely. And, let and it. This is right. And, that, and this is the problem right there. So uh, most humans, the vast majority of them, if you look at the research, we're sheep. <laughs> We just go along with the crowd, right? It's like it's the herd, yeah, right. It's the herd mentality. We're kind of, you know, doing all the things that we think we need to do to be socially acceptable. And listen, I'm not, I'm not a proponent of, you know, not being socially acceptable, not having etiquette or politeness, sure. or and I'm not, I'm not talking about that, right? What I'm talking about is that um, my kids do not derive their identity and their self-respect and their self-esteem based on what they wear. Now, we do like, as you know, we want you to look nice, present, but as best as you can. Like, we're not, like, I'll just give you an example. Don't tell, right? No one's going to tell about, we're not recording this, are we? <laughs> <laughs> For my daughter's 16th birthday, we took her to New York City. She's always wanted to be in New York. So, and I made the mistake of stopping at Saks Fifth Avenue first. Ooh, right. So when you Stop go there first, the <laughs> yeah, Bloomingdale's and Macy's, looks kind of low rent after you go to Saks Fifth, right? I think. So we're in there and um, I had been working and saving all year. So I had like a budget in mind for what she could spend because I wanted her to go shopping. So she's like, I want a Gucci belt. I'm like, all right. So first she starts looking at purses and you've heard my story about the purse up there in New York with the, when I was on the, you know, the fortune four wife, you know, she paid 30 grand for, you know, a purse, purse. and it was a Bottega Veneta, right? 30 grand. And um, so I know how much these things are and we're in there. So I'm, she's like, can I get a purse? I'm like, probably not here, but you could check. I mean, go ahead and, you know, but if you have to ask the price of it, cause there's no prices on this stuff. If you have to ask the price and you probably can't afford it. I'm just telling you right now. So she's, uh, she's like, she's already, she's like, yeah, I don't even want it that much, but I do want a Gucci belt. So I'm like, all right, well, let's look at these belts. And of course there's no prices on the Gucci belt. I said, well, if you want it, then you go ask them, you know, and if it, you think that it's a good value and it's a good deal and you just have that, then you go ahead. I didn't even tell her what her budget was, right? I just told her, you know, I didn't even tell her there was a budget. Just in my mind, I had one. She gotcha. has her own credit card. Go get it. She went and she asked the guy and the guy's like, it's $450. And she's like, yeah, you know what? I could do so much more with $450 <laughs> right now than a Gucci belt. I like the belt. I'm going to get a belt one day, but today's not the day that I'm getting the belt. Right. And so, uh, 
you know what I mean? Like you have to let your kids work that out and uh, how, so they understand the value. If you're just giving your kid a BMW, like for their first car, I mean, if it's a brand new one, you got to, they don't know the value of it. They didn't work for it. You just handed it to them. Right. And there is, they're deriving their self-esteem from it. You're actually hurting them from ever winning the mental game. Well, and I think, you know, I think it even goes deeper than that because at giving your kid the BMW, which is, you know, like five or six in the parking lot at my kid's high school and a couple of Mercedes and, you know, somebody got their old mom Lexus car, which I think is really funny that the Lexus is the old mom car, you know, yeah. but the point at which you give your kid this kind of stuff, where do they go from there? Now I went to Northwestern, which is chock full of a lot of affluent kids. And right. I was the one on scholarship. So, you know, it was kind of a big dichotomy, but how much pride did I have and how much enjoyment did I get when I got my Mazda Miata? 30 years old, paid off my student loans, got this cute little sports car because I earned it. But my first car was an old Ford pickup truck with a big bench seat. You know, you had to like turn it. because hey, I still have that Ford. I still have that Ford pickup truck. <laughs> you probably have my Ford pickup truck. But no, I bought mine brand new in 2003, but that's what it is. A bench seat, it's a work truck. There's nothing right. And that, that was our kid's first car too. Yeah, because I had so much fun buying my first fancy car. And even when I had my Lexus, when I, when I used to be in sales and needed to have that fancy car, I could look at that and go, wow, I earned it. This is so cool. If you, in your desire to give your kid everything, you actually rob them of Correct. the joy of getting that thing for themselves. And so that's where like, you know, as I've had affluent years and not affluent years, I'm really mindful of going, am I going to steal my kid's future joy by giving them too much? You're absolutely right. I mean, that's, and you're, listen, we do want to give our kids good stuff. The best thing you could give them is prep them for success in their own life. And because here's the thing, and we already know this, studies back this up, research, the worst, most poisonous thing on the planet is inherited wealth for someone's self-esteem. Yeah, because you can't, you know, I did some interviews with this Dr. Lamy, who is a wealth psychologist, and she said, you know, giving your kids money is really tough because if you parcel it out, you know, like you have a lot of money and you give it to them at 25, 30, 35, 45, which sounds logical, you're basically sending a message to your kid, you don't trust them to handle their own wealth. So, but if you give them their whole wealth at 20 or 25, they're going to blow it on cars and girls and whatever, and maybe be broke by 40. And so now you've trusted them too much and created a monster. So where's the middle ground in leaving money to your kids? It's really tough. Yeah. And we, we, and I'll just, I'll be transparent. We'll just talk about what we do. Right. So we have a family bank. We started a family bank and everybody, um, we all contribute to it. And whatever you could get. And then each of us, when we want to take a loan out, then we come to the family bank and we all decide whether we, you're a good credit risk or not, but you're going to have to pay it back to the family bank. Right. And so that way we will look at your plan. What is it that you want? You know, um, yeah. like, so my son who was 19. Um, he got a, a, a brand new uh, pickup truck this year, a Ram Bighorn. It's all tricked out everything. Um, he went and he found a deal where, uh, Ram was doing a classic and then they're doing the new version and the classic, which is a truck. That's like a $55,000 truck was being sold for 34,000. And 
I was like, looked at the deal. We went to look at it. That's fine. And he's making the payments. I'm not making the payment. He's even paying for the insurance. And he's, a, he's in the Citadel. So what he did is he, he did uh, his summer internship, really, until he's worked a construction job in the summer. And he got a job where he was making like 50 or 60 bucks an hour. And yep. he had to travel. He was out. He, and his whole summer was gone. Whole summer. He banked all that money. And, and he makes his payments and the insurance and the gas. And he even has to pay parking on like his school. Campus, yeah. he's a, right. No, he can't even be on campus because they ran out of parking. So anybody that's not a junior, he's a sophomore this year. He had to pay parking in town, another 125 bucks a month. Right. Wow. And so that, he had to budget all, think about all those things. And I walked him through it, you know, and before we pulled the trigger on it and then everybody said, yeah, here it is. It's all, here's all stuff laid out. Yep. We're on it. Boom. And so this is where the, you got to teach the kids. He's, he's 19 years old. I, I trust him now. Right. Because he he, we walked through it. We did the critical thinking, and that's part of the mental game. We had, you know, take the emotion out of it um, and, and then look at where the track is. Can we do this? And so you know what he's going to have to do this summer? He's going to have to go to work again that's so right. he can build it up again next year until he finishes college. But, you know, all those things were already in play when we talked about it. Well, and that's the key. All these things were already in place. Like, you know, he probably started out, you know, his first purchase isn't this truck. You know, you said when the, when you want something in the family bank, you know, you right. got to make a case for it. How are you going to pay for it? Right. So, and that's correct. He had fishing gear and kayak. No, he had a kayak, you know, when he was on the fishing team and fishing gear, he had, he's on the shooting team. So it was a, there was a sniper rifle you know, a shooting competition rifle for the shooting team. So you're right. It wasn't his first, first go round, but we started smaller and we built up and this is how you trust them. Right. Um, even from a young age, like we started those things when he was 15, the kayak was when he was like 15. Right. You know, and that's the thing about teaching kids to be stewards of their wealth, you know, right. stewards of their, you know, when your kids have an allowance, you know, when your kids have to, budget their money or budget their time. You know, we talk a lot about time and money being very similar. You know, you generally have a finite amount of money for now, but we always have a finite amount of time. And I think teaching your kids to spend time like money is as important as teaching your kid about money. Right now, I'm even more important because time is the one is the great equalizer. Yeah. I don't care if you're the richest guy in the world or the poorest, you know, person in a third world country. We all have the same amount of time every right. single day, 24 hours, right? So you can't ever get any more of it. You have what you have, right? So invest it, use it wisely. So I'm with you on that. And here's a great movie that I had the kids watch. It was like a Justin Timberlake movie where it was like out of time or something where they were having to spend time off their life to get a Starbucks. Wow. Like, so he walks in, right? And they're like, Starbucks is like three days or, you know, five hours. It's going to cost you five hours for this Starbucks. It's like, you know what? I really don't want it that much. If I'm taking five hours off my life for this cup of coffee, right? So and everything that was their money was the time on their life. And it was a great concept. I, I think it's out, uh, out of time or something. It was a Justin Timberlake movie that was a couple years ago. But it really gets you thinking about that time money, you know, uh, crossover. Sure, sure. You know, and it's, there was a, um, a, a seminar I went to, and I don't remember the guy who ran it, but he had this like giant, like glass jar of, I want to say gumballs or marbles or something. 
And every day he like took a marble out because he calculated like the days or the weeks. I don't remember what it was until his retirement. And it was so gruesome to me at the time because like he was saying, like, you know, as he got like halfway through his career, like that jar of marbles was halfway. And it was a constant reminder you know, to the end, you know, like don't waste time. And it was a little creepy and scary for me. I'll be honest. I was like, I still carry that image of like the the jar jar. going down. That's great. I should use the jar. I have a thing called the death clock in our training. (laughs) I I know it's the death clock. So I take the CDC's numbers of the average lifespan for males and females in this country. Right. And then calculate it by day. And then you find your age on the chart and then you look across. So like I'm down to less than if I, you know, I'm less than like, 8,000 days left, according to the CDC numbers. Now, we all want to live longer, right? But sure. pretty soon you're playing with house money, right? So I, because I have less than 8,000 days and I keep that track running in my mind, I'm not wasting a single one of them. Right. Like, I promise you, it's easy to say no to junk because I'm not wasting one of my days on something I don't want to do. Right. Like if you had $8,000 and go, okay, how am I going to spend this money? I would rather spend it because I can always get more money. So this right. is the mental game. Men, money, it, people like money doesn't grow on cheese. I'm like, yeah, money is everywhere. Like this guy named like, you know, Bill Gates turned zeros and ones into billions of dollars. Like it was zeros and ones. And he, so you can create money out of nothing, but you can't create more time. That's right. So winning the mental game is like, you really got to be more, well, how am I going to spend my time, waste my time back to the Game Boy or the binging, right? How am I going to invest my time? Is this help me or hurt me get to my target? And again, this is what's so important about with our kids teaching the mental game, giving them what's your, what's your ultimate target? What are we going for? Right. And then that'll dictate how you spend your time. Do you do your schoolwork? Well, if you're not, if you don't really have any targets and you're like, well, you know, then you're probably not going to do your schoolwork. Right. Uh, So, because why would I, you know, I'm just trying to get to graduation. Right. Or some people like I'm going to college. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I don't know. You know, and then the parents will be like, well, I didn't know at their age either. And I turned out okay. And I'm like, really? Because the last 30 minutes, you've just been complaining about your life, complaining about your job, complaining about your spouse. And you're okay. Is that what you want your kids to turn out to be? Then you're teaching them that. Well, and you know, I want to chime in on time here because, you know, I've been studying like Einstein's, you know, theory of relativity and, and, and thinking about time because my kids come home, like today, my kids have lots of exams and they're really nervous. And you remember those days where you're in the clock watching the test and going back and forth. Yeah. And going, How is time going so fast? Right. You no. Know? And then I hark back to like history class with Mr. Compitor who droned on <laughs> and, and it was on. going backwards. The clock yes, was going so backwards. Like, how is it only two minutes have passed? So I really do think that in mental fitness and mental toughness, there is the management of the belief of time. Yes. Because when I found myself, and this is a post-it trick that I use whenever I'm trying to change a habit, I carry a stupid little post-it around and a pen. And every time I do that thing, I tick it off. So one of the things that I found myself doing was telling everybody I don't have enough time. And then I'd have to mark it down. Every time I say, no, I don't have time. No, I don't have time. There were times in my life where I would say that like 30 times a day. 
So I'm like oh my programming God. my Yeah, head. and it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy then because then you absolutely. can't see where you have time. Yeah, absolutely. So 100%. then I decided I was going to change. And this happened, Andy, because I was sitting at a luncheon with a bunch of other moms because I always had this thing where I'm like, I'm not full-time working mom in an office. I'm not a real estate agent. I'm this weird hybrid that goes many places and does my job, but basically out of my home, which a lot of times people don't give me credit for being a professional. It's better now, but when my kids were little, I had a yeah. hard time with it. Yeah. Other people had a hard time with it. And moms didn't understand why they couldn't just drop by my house. Because right. it's in the middle of my workday. That's why. Yeah. Because it's my office too. Right. Yep. And so I found these moms and I'm not criticizing moms. I'm just telling a story. They were sitting at the lunch table at a nice restaurant, drinking, talking about how they can't lose weight, and then complaining about they have no time, and I'm watching the clock going, right. and talking about not having time for 45 minutes. Right. And then, you know, all these things, and I realized what we tell ourselves every day, repeatedly, is our reality. Correct. And from that moment onward, I decided to say, I always have enough time. I always have enough money. I even start saying, I enjoy paying my bills. Yeah. I love paying my bills because I can. Like, because I was a time in my life as a single mom where I couldn't pay my bills. Right. And so changing our languaging is really important because if you're blowing 45 minutes talking about how you don't have time, you clearly have time to clearly. talk about how you don't have time. Right. Or you don't have money. That's the other one. You're sitting there drinking a $12 martini with a $30 seafood plate and you just told me you didn't have any money. Like, yeah, you don't, you don't know what that means. And, and again, right. So and this is what people do, man. They tell themselves stories. Stories. And, and their story, whatever they tell. And here's what happens. You tell the story one time and somebody goes, oh, and then they get a dopamine hit, right? It's like they get that positive feedback. So then they tell it again because they want to feel that again. And then pretty soon, just like any other drug, you don't get the hit anymore. So you got to keep telling it more and more, right, in order to keep getting that hit. Right, and then, right, and pretty soon you're completely desensitized to it. You don't even know you're saying it. Like, so I'm, when you say you check down, like, I don't have time. It took you 30, 30, 30 times that day. Imagine if you weren't keeping track of it, how many times you would actually have said it. Oh, I could be insane. Right. You know what I mean? Like it could have been like off the charts because you weren't even, because now you're aware of it. You're catching yourself when you say it. So you're not going to say it as much. Right. Right. Well, and like these women don't invite me anymore. I'll be honest <laughs> because I have like three rules now. Like when I get together with people, if you bitch about your husband, I will call you on it because I don't have one. <laughs> so if he's sticking around and he's paying the bills and you're out having lunch with me complaining about him, I'm going to probably tell you to shut up. Right. Same thing with no money and you're right. ordering more food than me. Correct. And same thing. I will call you on the time thing, which is probably why that group doesn't invite me anymore. But I have friends who do invite me. Listen, that's better for you anyway. You don't want to be in that space. No, because it does. Consciousness, yeah, it's contagious. It'll it's rub contagious off. and it's defeating. Like oh, I will not- tell you, I'm the baby of the family. So I'm the only one. And I was a surprise in my family. Surprise! <laughs> surprise! So my brothers and sisters are much older and they're all retired. 
Now, if I hang around with them too much, I feel resentful. Because even though I love my job and I love what I do, I love helping people, I love making money, I love everything I do. When I'm around a group of people who are golfing and traveling and watching, you know, Netflix and these things, I find myself being resentful, which I don't even know why that happens, Andy. It just does. Because I'm the oddball. I'm the only one still working. And Right, right, right. So if I surround myself with other working families, other working moms, other working friends, I'm in a much better mental health state. Doesn't mean I don't love my family. But if you're the fish out of water in your family, it's like if I go home to my small farming community and I'm putting on airs because I'm traveling, I'm doing all these things, I can't be who I am and do my best in that environment. And I think we all have to be cognitive of who are we surrounded with? You know, those seven people, our influencers, who do we spend the most time with? I like to spend my time with thought leaders and influencers and people who want to make a difference. Yeah, no, I'm super guarded who's in that inner circle of mine. Super guarded. It, and you know what? It's open to anybody. Anybody right. can come into my, uh, and the invitation's always there, but most people can't stay inside there. First off, I'm super intense. So it's like hanging hang out in the sunshine, like, and you get sunburned, if, you know, if you, right? Because I'm intense. But we, the reason I'm intense is because of the stuff that you said. Like, you, there's a no complaining zone in, around me. Like, I will not put up. There's no gossip at whatsoever, right? We're not going to talk bad about people. Right. right? Um, and, and we're going to talk about ideas that make us better and push it like, here's a question I always ask, is this helping us or hurting us? Right. Right. And if it's helping us, then I'm going to do more of that. If it's hurting, I just cut it off. Like complaining about anything is hurting you. Right. So you're not going to be in my inner circle. Right. Unless you're asking me for a solution because you complaining means you can go back to that situation and perpetuate it. You don't have to fix it because you feel better because you complained to me. Right. We have one. Yeah. We have a rule in our house. You can tell me the problem one time just to state what it is. Yep. Then if you're telling me it a second time, now you're complaining because and we, we live by this mantra. Here you go. Win in the mental game. Yep. I'm the problem and I'm the solution. That's if there's right. a problem, it's me. But the good news is, uh, listen, you know where I got that from? Who? Bridesmaids. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to be honest here because like we're, you know, like we're good cyber friends. My biggest mantra comes from the kids Ninjago. Lego movies because That's awesome. uh, like the Obi-Wan kind of character, yeah. uh, whatever his name was, he said, what can you do to get to where you want to be? And I remember sitting Solid. there like 11 o'clock at night, my kids were up because they didn't want to go to sleep. Like seriously, like three and four were watching this Lego Ninjago yeah. jujitsu Lego figures. Lego movies are great. Out. Listen, Lego movies are great. They're great mental toughness movies. We just watched as a family, we watched the second Lego movie and that song uh, where Chris Pratt's singing Everything is Awesome. Everything I immediately, awesome. Put, yeah, I put it on my playlist and I actually, because I'm like, I feel everything is awesome. It's like rocks, trees, socks, sticks, everything's awesome. It is, you know? It and is. You have, right. And you have that mindset, it totally changes everything. So I put it immediately, put it on my playlist. Good. See, all right. So I don't feel so crazy because no. I can just post it. It's like, I don't know, eight, seven, eight years old. And I really do think about that all the time because I get up, you know, and I have my little routine in the morning. You know, I, I meditate, I talk to God, I go through my gratitude list, I set my intentions, you know, then I do my workout and then I sit down and I go, okay, what can I do today to get me to where I want to be? 
huge. But it's that's brilliant. I'm like I'm, boom. I'm stealing like, it, but I'm not stealing. I'm going to steal it from the fake Obi Wan or the yes. Lego Obi Wan. <laughs> right, and I did. I actually bought the little Lego figurine. I have that's it in awesome. my office right, too. That's so great. Because, you know, and I think, you know, as funny as it is, like you can see me, but our listeners can't. But if you look at in my office, I have lots of little Batman stuff. Yeah, my son's a Batman junkie. He's got that same Batman water bottle. He carries it around the Citadel with him, actually. Isn't that the greatest? It's the greatest. Like, I look at myself as Batman. Like, I am Batman in my industry. I've got all the tools and gadgets. I work for good. So when I'm tired or frustrated, I will turn on something Batman that inspires me. Or even when I went to court, I'm going to tell you the secret. So I was in court for seven years with a bad divorce, lots of money, lots of rights, lots of things flying around. And my mom was sick and dying and my family was 3,000 miles away. So I was kind of on my own. And there were a couple of times I represented myself because I didn't want to lose my home and legal bills. So before I put on my suit, true story, I have a Batman t-shirt and it had the bat shield on it. So I would purposely put that on under my suit to go to court and I can do anything. That's awesome. And it's a shirt. No, it's fan. No, but you know, it makes you get into a certain state, which is going to how you perform. Exactly. Right. It's like, what did it do? Because you're the master of this stuff. What did it do? Did I like take on Batman's identity? Did I borrow his faith or his strength? Like, why is it so important for me to have that Batman water bottle in the gym for when I'm tired? Like, what does that do? Well, I'll tell you, when I'm working with athletes, and this is like, so when I'm like mental toughness, I work with a lot of corporate, but I also work with athletes. Uh, working with like MMA fighters. Okay. Uh, high school wrestlers even. Because there's like a one-on-one combat. It'll probably work for swimmers too. But what, so what I would have them do before they go on to the mat to get them in that state is I would have them act like Muhammad Ali. Gotcha. They would walk like him. I would make them say float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And we would watch these videos of him, how his self-talk was and his swagger. And I call it the three minute drill. And I would have them do that the three minutes before they walked onto the mat, because what they're doing, you call it channeling, acting out, embodying, whatever. You're changing your state so that you're borrowing that person's belief in themselves even if you can't believe it, your belief doesn't matter. You're borrowing it, right? It's just like take it out a loan, but you can still make, you know, you still, if you took a loan on the house, it's your house, right? You got to pay it back. Sure. So after the match, you could pay it back. Um, but right now I need you to borrow the belief and act like you're a champion, breathe like you're a champion, walk like you're a champion, talk like you're a champion. And I'm telling you, their winning percentages would go through the roof. I'm going to be helping my kids swim team. Um, I'm taking that. I'm using that. that yeah, it's very minute, effective. Three minute drill. Three minute drill, right. It's in, the, you could probably find, I think it's in my book. I even wrote it or see, there's, there's definitely a blog or an article. I know there's something where you do it because it, it rang a bell when yeah. you were saying that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. This is good. Because I think sometimes, especially for those of us who might not be like as self-aware as others or maybe get it, but I can do things. And I know they work, but if I'm trying to explain them to you, Andy, why they work or how they work, I got nothing. I'm like, right. just, like my kids, I'm like, just shut up and do it. It works. <laughs> right. Which is fine. Like, I don't need to know how the car, the engine works uh, to drive it. Right. I'm not a mechanic. I don't work on cars. I drive them though. Right. So this is like, that's what I like. You don't have to know how it works. You just have to know how to drive the thing. 
Right. Or electricity. You, you know, you don't need to know how it works, but you need to know how to push the on button. Right. Exactly. It's the same exact thing. Right. So I never feel bad. Like, I, like, look, if you want to know how it works, that's fantastic. Otherwise, if you don't, you just want to get the results and hire somebody that could coach you on how to do it. Like when driving lessons, right. We th- my, my little girl, she's about, she's 16. She's about to get her license. Um, she has her test is like, I think tomorrow or something, but she's got like the driving test is like, we hired somebody to take, take her out and do the thing, right? They don't teach her how to change the spark plugs or the oil or what the combustion engine is or the foot. They just teach her where the brake is, where the gas is, what the traffic law, the rules of the road. That's what they taught her, how to drive the car, not how to fix the car, not how to build the car, not how to design the car. If she wants to do that, she can go to college for that. Right. I mean, then these are things like, this is where to me, mental toughness and mental fitness is so much fun. Because we're yeah. so much fitter and tougher than we give ourselves credit for. Yes. But then we turn around and think ourselves out of it. And, you know, that's where, like, you know, I have this thing. It's super immature, but it works. Whenever I start getting afraid, I go, la, 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 la. <laughs> I just plug my ears. <laughs> I make that sound, and it makes me laugh because it reminds me of a kid, like, I'm not listening to you. La, 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 plug Sorry. my ears. Um, but you can actually do that to yourself and stop a really bad train of thought. Oh, no, 100%. And that's what you need to see. This is another thing that we teach, right? That's biopsychology, what you just said. If you want to know how it works, that's how the body, mind, and emotions all work together. And you, what you did is you short-circuited the emotions by doing something with your body that puts your mind on a different track. Gotcha. Wow. See, that's, that's what we it. do. Yeah, that's what, and that's a, it's brilliant. Like, so what they did is they did a study, like, if you point, uh, bite a pen okay. in the back of your teeth for two minutes, you're activating the muscles in your face is the same as you're smiling. Yeah. And after two minutes, your brain will go, oh, we're smiling. We must be happy. And you'll actually get a hormone dump of, uh, you know, that makes you happy and you'll feel better. Now, if you put it between your lips, all right, and you're making a frown face, the opposite will happen after a couple of minutes. You'll be like, well, we're frowning, so we must be in a bad mood. And then you'll get the hormone dump that matches a bad mood. Cool. Right? So that's what we want to do is trigger what our body does in order to make our emotions follow. Got it. See, and now I'm going to give the practical side of that. I'm, I'm training a couple spin girls at my gym because I have really good classes. People like it. So the gym has said, hey, Stan, you know, come and bring your magic, whatever it is, to the spin class. <laughs> and one of my magics is ask people what kind of music they like and play it. Find out what music you like to play and sing to and play it. But the other one is smile all the time. Make eye contact, smile at everybody, tell everybody this is fun. Right. You guys, we're having fun. This is fun. Come on, smile. This isn't a you know Russian firing squad. This is fun. Yes, this is fun, right. And it does work. It changes the people's state. And you just gave me the reason with the chewing on the pen thing. Yeah. Because that's the science. Yeah. If I tell you to smile while you're at mile 18, which happened this morning, come on girls, this is fun as we play welcome to the jungle. Yeah. You get it. And they do. Everybody walks out feeling good. I know there's endorphins and there's hormones and all that other stuff, but the, just the simple process of smiling makes such a difference in a workout class. In everything in life. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't make it to that point yet, but yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I smile. I mean, the whole time, if you look at the video, I'm like smiling the whole time we're here. Now it's not put on. It's just like now my habit, like you and you said, I don't have enough time. 
I literally like, I'm like I, a couple years ago, like, I don't know, like 10 years ago, I decided I'm just going to want to solve this information. I'm like, I'm just going to smile then. I don't even need a pen to do it. I'm just going to like, I'll be driving down the street smiling. People cut you off. Suddenly I don't even care. I'm like, hey, what's up? Hey, I don't even care. Whatever. It's, this is funny. People are like, you're a kook. Because yeah. you know what? Life becomes fun. Right. You know, like when you, like I do, I smile all the time. I don't know. I think I was born that way because my nickname growing up was happy. And I just am happy. I'm like happy from the time I get to, you know, till I go to bed at night. And yeah, I have my moments and stuff. Can you set your level of joy? Can you set your level of happiness? Like I know for me, everybody, my parents and my brother and sisters are always like, well, you were just born that way. You were just born happy. You were always happy. And there's some truth to that. Yeah, but um, that's not, yeah, the science doesn't back that up. You can pick, like, we have personalities, but what they did, is they, they did this study, and I used to say this, a personality, you know, these tests, they're all just nonsense, right, because your personality changes, and I, but I didn't have science to back it, but in, like, 2017, they came out with this 70-year study. They wow. took kids from, like, World War II, right, and they did the personality test, and they did them again, like, 70 years later. They're completely different persons. Like, some of them are grouchy. Now, some of them are happy. Some of them are thoughtful and some of them are narcissistic, like didn't even match up with what they were. Wow. So look, we know it's going to change. So you could dictate and you could have chosen bitter instead of better through your divorce, man. Like, sure. I mean, more than anybody that I know, I know your story. You chose that. That isn't about being born that way. You had to make that conscious choice, yes. like almost minute by minute some days. Some days. Well, and I will tell you, I can tell you the exact moment that I made that decision. I don't know if I've ever told you the story, but I decided in the midst of the worst part of my divorce, as kooky as it sounds, I went to the Grand Canyon, not to jump. Yeah. And I took my kids there, you know, like I had one in the baby Bjorn in the front and the other one was in a stroller. And I decided that I was going to take the kids, stay at a hotel, which I did in Williams, take the kids in, and I was going to walk that long loop because I heard yeah. you could take a, a jogging stroller the whole way, and I was just going to walk it. And it was why, I don't know, it just came into my head. I said, I'm going to do this, and I'll send you the picture, Andy. I'll text it to you. You'll see me and the kids with, you know, at the rim. And I walked it, and about halfway through, I got to this point where there was a bench, and I just sat down with the kids, you know, just taking a little rest in this busload of people pulled up kid you not and they were all no offense to you know men and women listening but they're all women and it was some like divorce recovery divorce thing they were all divorced oh my gosh they pile the chances of all the places at all the times it's divine it's divine and the two ladies that sit on the bench next to me are yammering away about their divorce and so I just kind of lean over, you know, cause I'm going through one thinking, and I'm like, so where are you guys in your divorce? And they're like, what? They were divorced like a decade. And, and I thought, let it go. Right? Let it go. Cause you're sitting here looking at the, the, the lines, you know, in the Grand Canyon, the Grand Canyon that are like yeah. eons. Right. And I thought to myself, and I really did. I said this prayer. I said, God, if I am ever 10 years from today, still bitching about the same stuff, still complaining about him, still crying in my soup and feeling sorry for myself. Just strike me dead now. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Like, get, yeah. you know, give him you know, whatever you want to do. But I was like, no, you know, yeah. no. And, you're right. and there are times when you have to tell yourself, 
no, I will not go down. I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid. I'm not going to go there. Like just done. Right. And I tell myself that out loud. Cause again, with the yes. body, mind, right. So here's a, the mind mouth connection. Here's another trick, right? Okay. So this is what we do. Some begin in your mind, Sandra, to start counting backwards in your mind from a thousand backwards. So in your mind, it's a thousand nine, 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 eight. Okay. The count's going. Now say your name out loud. Go. Nine, nine, what? No, your name. Say your name out loud. Sandra. Okay. What happened to the count? I think I was on nine, nine, yeah, what? six. It nine, stopped. Nine, yeah, it stopped. As soon as you said your name, your count stopped. See how, so with I, what I can do is I can take my mouth and say something that changes what my thought process is. Yay. And interrupt that runaway train. Completely. Right. So even if you're just saying your name. So what we do, what I, what I do is I coach my clients. So we have an identity statement. Like my identity statement is I'm a man of excellence who always keeps his word. So I have programmed that if I stub my toe instead of cussing, I say, I'm a man of excellence who always keeps his word. Right. You know, what I mean? so like that's how deep it should be in there. If you hit your hand with a hammer, you're saying I'm a man of excellence. Right. So that's, and that way while I'm saying it out of my mouth, I could totally change whatever my reaction is in my brain. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because it is true, like, you know, I can see in my own brain and in the brains of my friends and family, they start getting the broken record. Everybody's heard the broken record. Yep. Right? And then they start the story and it leads to this and it leads to this. And then eventually like they're face down in their drink going like, I'm a loser. So, <laughs> Or 10 years later, you're at the Grand Canyon and you can't see it because you're still talking yep. about what happened 10 years ago. Yep, exactly. And so... Do you think, you know, because this is about like mental toughness in the brain, do we make patterns in our brain of these stories that we tell ourselves and they get deeper and deeper ingrained in there so that we have to like scratch the record? Like we have to interrupt that pattern. That's what you're talking about with the name, right? Yes. Yeah. You got to totally jump the track. So here's what happens. The neurons that fire together, wire together. Okay. So. The, the first time that you, you know, you complain or you have that thought pattern, it's like going through the Amazon jungle with a machete. You're cutting brush. The second time, it's a little easier path. The third time, it's now a dirt path, you know, a dirt trail. You know, you go about 10 more times and now you've, you know, put gravel down. Pretty soon, it's a two-lane two highway. You keep doing that, it's going to be like the I-10, 17 lanes wide. You're going so fast down that highway, you can't see anything else. Gotcha. Right. So, and if you want to tr try how this works, like just to feel it, what hand do you normally brush your teeth with at night, Sandra? Left right or right? Here. Okay. Right. If you want to rewire, feel your neurons refiring together and interrupting that pattern, try brushing your teeth with the opposite hand. Love that. Love that. Oh, this is just so great. Like I'm sitting here taking notes. I can't wait to like share it with my swim team. I can't wait to share That's it with awesome. my kids because you know what? That's what we're here for today. Yeah, and absolutely. I want to thank you today for being my guest, for being like so super fun and willing to share like all your goodies and, you know, give them out to the universe. Cause I really believe when we just validate, educate, comfort, support, let it rip comes back to us tenfold and we get to make all ships rise is my dad. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yep. All right. So where can people find out more about you? Getwarriortough.com. That's www.getwarriortough.com. 
We love that. We love that. Dr. Andrew Whitman will be back again next week with another episode from him. So you're not going to want to miss it. We'll be back again next week. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be. 